Welcome to this edition of Rail Group On Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief, William C. Vantuono. This is part of our series that is sponsored by the Commuter Rail Coalition. Uh, Kellyanne Gallagher, uh, thank you so much again for, uh, for facilitating this. It's um, absolutely our pleasure, Bill. Thank you. You're very welcome. My guest is the president of the Northern Indiana Commuter Transportation District, known as NICD, Mike Noland. And um, Mike, uh, welcome. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of exciting things happening on uh, on, on your uh, commuter railroad. Uh, we'll get to that. But first, I think we, let's let's talk about the current uh, pandemic crises and what's happening with that. How you're handling that. Sure. Yeah, Bill. Um, like every other commuter property in the country, uh, we're taking um, unprecedented steps to focus on rider and employee safety. So we have redone our protocols for cleaning. We're looking at the best at best practices across not only our industry, but, uh, but other industries, airlines, hotels, any other industry that's found a good, useful technique to combat viruses, bacteria, germs, and promote cleanliness, which is going to translate at some point in time when riders are ready to come back to the system into their being comfortable in getting back on our commuter systems to bring people back to the major uh, job centers, to major cultural destinations. When people are ready and the, and the government officials suggest that it's time to do so, we'll be ready. Let's not forget those Notre Dame football games, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Although I'm not really sure, you know, they, uh, we're hearing that they may be limiting the attendance to students. And so, um, you know, you're, typically we do a lot of charter trains back and forth on game day, but I'm not sure we're going to have a lot of that business this year. Well, that'll depend a lot upon what the NCAA says. That's right. Yeah. You have referred to uh, the, the railroad as the last interurban left in the United States. Want to expand on that a little bit? That's Sure. I mean, at one time, there was thousands of miles of interurban railroads that connected communities, uh, a lot of it here in the Midwest. Um, and today, almost every one, I think every one of those interurbans is now um, gone by the wayside, the bikes, trails, and whatnot. Uh, the South Shore remains. And we travel uh, through the middle of Michigan City, uh, as, as an example of our inner urban uh, routes, uh, there's 33 grade crossings in Michigan City. We go right down the middle of the street on 10th and 11th Street, and there's stop signs and cross bucks, and our train waits at the traffic light to get the green before it goes because cross traffic has got the right of way. So um, we're going we're gonna to resolve that and, and, and uh, change that with one of our New Starts projects, but we're the last inner urban railroad in the country. And the equipment, of course, uh, well, if I, if I recall my history, uh, years ago, it was the, what do they, what do they call those, those uh, uh, streamlined uh, sort of Art Deco styled uh, multiple units? Uh, well, we, we have, we run the, we run this, a lot of single level coaches um, mm -hmm. on the system, although we did go to the double decker gallery coaches. We piggybacked on the, on the end of a Metro order about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, we, we had mostly single level coaches for years. And uh, what, what, what do those uh, uh, gallery cars add in, ter in terms of capacity? Uh, the typical single level car 
can carry around 90 passengers, 90 to 100 passengers. I, I, our gallery cars are, are um, positioned to carry about 111. Uh, we could reconfigure them in a different style to get as many as 130. Our, our, our difference is, is that we're a little longer haul passenger service. Um, our, our line is 90 miles from Millennium Station to South Baton. So uh, we had a little different seating capacity or configuration on the cars, but they can generally hold up to 130 if we change that capacity or the change the configuration. Right. And you, and do you, uh, do you run those in mixed consists or do you, you keep the gallery? No, cars no, the galleries run, the galleries run by themselves and the, and the single levels run by themselves. Okay. So the, uh, expansion is pretty exciting. You have a couple of projects, uh, going right now. Well, one is, uh, called your Westlake, uh, extension. It's an $852 million project. Uh, it's pretty involved. Uh, tell us about it. Sure. It's, it's been on the uh, planning uh, books for about three or four decades. Uh, back in the late 80s, when CSX was getting rid of the old Monon Railroad, three com or three, two communities and, and Nikki stepped up and we bought uh, in a six-mile segment of the Monon Corridor to preserve it to someday be a rail corridor. And it runs down the Illinois-Indiana border from North Hammond down to the Munster-Dyer border. And we are on the cusp of getting a full funding grant agreement. We hope to receive that here in late September, early October, and immediately uh, commence construction on this eight mile uh, brand new start uh, process to restore commuter service to an area that hasn't had it in about 70 years. 70 years, that's, that's impressive, wow. Um, so, uh, and this has been in the works for, for how long? Well, the, the, the planners had a vision of it back in the late 80s or early 90s. Our congressman in the area, Pete Bisklaski, has championed this project for the, almost the entire time, and he really deserves the credit for really pushing the entire Northwest Indiana community to come together and uh, get behind this vision to expand our infrastructure and improve throughput from uh, Northwest Indiana into Chicago. We look over and I look at Jim uh, Derwinski's operation over there in Metro and they've got 11 or 12 different spokes coming out of the city and we have one here in Northwest Indiana. So we're really excited about the expansion opportunity that Westlake's gonna bring and the fact that it opens up opportunities for our residents to get uh, safely, quickly, efficiently in and out of, of Chicago. So uh, from, from its, uh from, from the, uh, the terminus of the extension into Chicago will be how long a route and how, how long a journey time? Uh, we believe we're gonna be able to run that in about 45 minutes. From a, from a distance standpoint, it's 14 miles, on, 14 and a half miles on Metro, six miles on the South Shore and then eight miles. So it's a, a just shy of 30 mile trip. Uh, so we'll, we'll do that in about 45 minutes. Um, you know, we'll have a stop at, uh, we'll start at Munster Dyer, we'll have a stop at 173rd Street in Hammond, uh, Ridge Road in Munster, and then we'll have a gateway station where the uh, Westlake Corridor is going to merge with the South Shore. And so our riders will be able to transfer back and forth between the systems um, and utilize the opportunities that, 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 that both services will provide. So they really, it's really an opportunity to expand our service tremendously by, by bringing them together with the gateway station. And uh, the ridership studies uh, 
behind this this extension. I guess that that shows that there is a, a core population on the extension that that needs to get into Center City, Chicago. Oh yeah, the, the Lake County, especially uh, West Lake, Western Lake County, has been booming for the past uh, several decades. It's continuing to grow, and our, we we all use the stops model. The FTA asks you to use, and the model shows that will generate around 7,000 daily trips on Westlake to begin. So we're, we're excited about the opportunity to bring this much needed service to the community. And that of course will replace uh, people, most, most of them would be commuting by, uh, by car. Into That's the right. Because they have no other, no other way, unless they want to drive quite a distance to, uh, to one, of your other, one of your other stops along, along the line. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah, we, the, we, we get high marks from the FTA on this one for the environmental benefits for the reductions in VOCs that, mm -hmm. that are going to take place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Now, the other one, which is uh, uh, in process now, uh, it's a new start uh, project. It is expanding a substantial section of the main line uh, to double track from single track. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and uh, our you, you mentioned the uh, our name. We our riders know us as the South Shore Line. The South Shore. Uh, we only, yeah, we only mention Nick Dean if we're, if something's going wrong. So uh, we, <laughs> we 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 brand ourselves as the South Shore Line, and and the South Shore Line, uh, as, as I mentioned, it's a ninety mile service from Millennium Station in Chicago to downtown or uh, to the airport in South Bend, Indiana. When we run from Gary, Indiana into Chicago, we're double tracked from the middle of Gary till we get to Metro. Then we'll, we're quadruple track when we get on the Metro Electric District. Mm -hmm. But from the middle of Gary to Michigan City, we're mostly a single track railroad, and our yard is in Michigan City. So every day when we launch those trains, it's a single file system and if one thing goes wrong then everybody waits and if something happens in that single track area both directions wait and we can't run express service we can't run the skip stop type limited service that would allow us to reduce the travel time increase frequencies increase reliability so we're going to double track that 25 mile section build four new bridges uh, new stations at the Miller Station in Gary. Uh, we're going to put a new station in Ogden Dunes and a main terminal station with a parking facility in Michigan, downtown Michigan City. We're also going to get rid of the street running in Michigan City, which, as I mentioned, is um, it's got a lot of um, history from an interurban standpoint, but from a commuter railroad standpoint, it's not the way to run a railroad. And we're closing 20 grade crossings in Michigan City. Uh, and, and the rest of them, the remaining 14, will all have gates, lights, and bells. So it's a, tr it's a tremendous safety improvement. We're going to reduce tr time to market significantly. Michigan City is about 54 miles to downtown Chicago. We're going to be able to do it in 67 minutes uh, on our express trains. So we're really excited about the opportunity to really drive down time to market because it's not distance. Our, our riders are more focused on time. Frequency is going to be in, in, increased and reliability. Uh, we run at about 90% on-time performance on a largely single-track railroad. Um, we're, we're looking to get in the high 90s once we uh, are able to make these structural improvements. And again, going back to the STOPS model, the, the STOPS model shows that we double our daily ridership from around 12,000 a day to around 25,000 uh, a day. Uh, in the in the 20-year out year uh, vision of the program. So it, we're really excited about the opportunities these, pro these projects can bring. So you're going to have a lot of operational flexibility. If you have a 25-mile double-track section, I'm thinking 
a lot of crossovers. You'll be able to, to run expresses. You'll be able to do uh, overtakes. Uh, if, if you have a, a stall train or something, you can, do, you can run around that equipment. And it's, uh, so it gives you a lot more flexibility. Oh, ab ab absolutely. A absolutely. We'll, we can run a, the all-stop train, and right behind it, we can have an express that passes it um, uh, by taking a crossover and bouncing back and on its way into Chicago. It opens up tremendous operational flexibility for us to really untap the, the, uh, the infrastructure of this railroad. This railroad's in great shape. The bones of this railroad are in wonderful shape. We just need to add the infrastructure to allow us to really run it. Mm -hmm. So what intrigues me is, uh, one of the things that intrigues me is the, the uh, closing, you said 14 grade crossings? 20. Uh, 20 grade crossings, okay. Uh, what did that involve? That's, uh, that had to be a pretty, a pretty complicated uh, negotiation. With the well, um, that all involved discussions with the city of Michigan City, Indiana. Michigan City decided years ago they, they could have taken three different routes. Um, there's an, a northern route that we could have jumped on the Amtrak service uh, that runs into Michigan and we could have um, bypassed downtown, or we could have gone south of town mm -hmm. and jumped on some right away that CSX owned or adjacent to it. And the community decided, along with uh, a study that, that South Shore did, that we would run through the middle of town, but the but the community knew in order to do that, we couldn't have 33 grade crossings. Uh, we needed to reduce the amount of grade crossings through town to allow for um, uh, the, the service speeds to increase uh, and to all to put in separations between the traffic between the cars and the and the train system. So we had our own roadbed, and so um, we were worked in tandem with the community and we we had multiple public hearings and very few complaints about the fact that we were closing um 20 grade crossings which as you know in this industry whenever you mention a grade crossing it's as if um you know someone's give given up the you know their firstborn child i mean it's um it, it is it is it is very difficult to get any grade crossing closed However, we're still going to have 14 grade crossings in a two-mile area, and my experiences from many communities I've worked with uh, on the metro system and here in northwest Indiana and other places, that's a lot of grade crossings in a two-mile area. So it's not as if people are going to have to travel miles to get to the next grade crossing. They're still going to have plenty of opportunities to commute uh, between the one side of the tracks and the other. So. Um, we didn't. We, we went about it very carefully. We explained the benefits. We explained the fact that Michigan City was going to get substantially improved commuter service as a result of this, a brand new station, a parking facility. Um, and as part of that process, the, the community supported us completely from the beginning and has granted us uh, substantial property rights and has thrown in $12.5 million towards this project. That is indeed impressive. Uh, more often than not, you hear about community opposition to, to uh, additional trains, uh, projects like this, but uh, in, in this case, uh, they, uh, they got it in Michigan City. They're supportive. Yeah. You know, Michigan City, um, it, it's, it's a great community, uh, former industrial community, right on Lake Michigan. I mean, we look across this, uh, the lake and you see the skyline as if it's in your backyard. Uh, it has everything it needs to um, to attract and retain top talent, to keep the kids here that we're educating. But right now, our train service into Chicago is about an hour and 40 minutes each way, mm -hmm. plus your travel time to work. That's a long day. 
for someone who wants to go to Chicago. And working in Chicago, we know that there's about a 40% premium in wages for a similar type job that someone could work here in Northwest Indiana. So by, by driving the travel time down to just over an hour, the folks in Michigan City know that they can go into Chicago now, some of them couldn't afford that time investment before, get the higher paying job and come back to Northwest Indiana where you got Lake Michigan, you got a lower, our, our tax climate's wonderful. We've got low property taxes, great, great standard of living. So uh, there's another reason why the people here in, in Northwest Indiana, including Michigan City, really got behind this project. And these are the benefits that commuter rail delivers to a community. Oh yeah. So it's, it's very evident. Uh, so this is a $425 million project, correct? Yeah, approximately correct, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and we, we, we have all of our money for both projects. All the local funding is already uh, in place. Our governor, Governor Eric Holcomb, is, is our leading number one cheerleader on this project. He's made these projects one of his, if not his top, his top three priorities to make happen. He's, he has coalesced the entire congressional delegation, Republican and Democrat, led by Pete Vizglaski, who's a Democrat, and Eric Holcomb's a Republican. Our entire congressional delegation's behind this. When we went to get funding in the Indiana General Assembly for this, and this is a conservative Republican state, not known typically as a transit state, mm -hmm. the, the request for funding for this project was, was approved 145 to five. And the question I always get is, who are the five? Uh, because it's, it's, it's just generated overall support. And that's because um, the projections are that there's private sector investment that's gonna follow the, the infrastructure improvements and the state's looking at a plus two to one return for every dollar they invest. And so this is a, this is a return on investment state. They are fully expecting to get their investment back in, in multiples, not only in the state, but also for the local communities um, as investment comes from these infrastructure investments up and down the rail line. So when you want to talk about bipartisan support for rail, uh, just go look at the South Shore and see what they're oh, doing. Oh yeah, I, 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 I have never seen a, commu a community come together and speak with one voice as loudly as I, I have um, this, this Northwest Indiana and the state of Indiana for these rail projects, absolutely. And, and that's encouraging in these times when we see so much division you know, so much uh, bickering and uh, people can't seem to agree on anything, but uh, there are exceptions. Again, if you want an example of uh, how to make things work, uh, uh, talk to the South Shore. Yeah, uh, and I'll put you in touch with our leaders in the, in the General Assembly and in, 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 in uh, Indianapolis, because the, the credit goes to them, and again, to Pete Bisklowski as well in Congress. Uh, he, he has kept that, that this is one of his top prior priorities for years and and he's retiring now and I can't think of a better present for Pete than to have a groundbreaking ceremony for his Westlake quarter before he leaves office. Mm -hmm. We do have a couple other projects you might find interesting. Uh, they're both at the ends of the line. Um, in South Bend, Indiana, we go into the South Bend International Airport, and that community out there at the end of the line in the South Bend, St. Joseph County area is trying to decide Where's the future home for the South Shore for the next hundred years? So they're studying various different options of locations, all with the mindset of reducing travel time. Because where we go into the airport right now is a tortured reverse C operation where we go in behind the airport and, and uh, there we have 20 grade crossings too. And we putz into the air airport at about 15 miles an hour. So we're looking at savings of, of 10 to 15 minutes of time off that route 
trying to mirror what the Amtrak service does over um, on the Wisconsin side on the Hiawatha line where they got down to 90 minutes in a 90 mile area. So that's a big project uh, for that, that community. Uh, 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 piggybacking on the double track project, which is they're huge supporters of. And then on the metro system, we're joining with Jim Derwinski to do a, a, a major capacity improvement in the downtown terminal. The, it's, I mentioned it's quadruple track until you get to Van Buren Street Station in Chicago, where we go from four tracks to three tracks, right when you get to the heart of our platforms. So we're investing uh, $30 to $40 million jointly with Metra to expand our capacity and go to four tracks into the downtown terminals, and that's a huge project for us. So, um, you know, everyone focuses on the, the big, huge mega projects, but those two projects themselves are, are, are very, very important to, to our ridership and to the long-term success of this railroad. And so I, I wanted to mention those as well. You know, it's those first mile, last mile projects that can make such a huge difference in, in service quality and uh, accessibility and uh, time. You know, all those things that uh, that, that are uh, that your customers depend upon. Sure. I mean, people are always saying, Bill, and you know this, they'll say, well, you're going 79. What if you went 89? And I said, well, that would be great. That would be a 10%, 12% increase in speed. But I've got areas where I'm going 20. If I can go 30, I got a 50% increase in speed just by going from 20 to 30. And I get as much time savings or more. And if it's about time savings, it's not the upper level of speed sometimes that gets you. It's that last mile, first mile, or the little civil speed restrictions in the middle that you got to focus on and resolve. So that's a great point. Yeah, and all those incremental improvements, uh, if you look at them across uh, within the context of an entire system, they add up. So, Mike, I'd like to talk about your relationship with your freight uh, partner, uh, Anacostia. And, uh, I understand it's uh, quite a good relationship, very cooperative. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, I, you know, when people talk about public-private partnerships, I, I, I tell them I live one every day. Um, the South Shore operation w um, went bankrupt in the late 80s, and out of that, came a uh, public-private partnership where uh, Nickty has the passenger franchise uh, and, and, and owns the, 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 the infrastructure and we own the, the land. And South Shore Freight, South Shore and South Bend Freight, owns the freight franchise. And we jointly work on the line. We're housed at the same facility in Michigan City, Indiana at our Carroll Avenue shops. I, I, when people tell me, our passengers and they and they they suggest that um, there's a delay every now and then for freight train service. Let's get rid of the freights. I say, well, would you like to pay a 25% fare increase? And they say no. And I said, well, uh, South Shore Freight generates a lot of revenue for us. Number one and number two, South Shore Freight supports the industry, uh, the businesses up and down. The, the corridor that lead to jobs and lead to um, the efficiencies and the, and the quality of life that we have here in Northwest Indiana. So uh, we understand the importance of the role that South Shore plays, South Shore Freight plays, um, and we work as a team and uh, have always worked as a team and have a great relationship with the current president there, Todd Bjornstead. We talked to Todd already three times today. Um, we, we, we work cooperatively. We don't always see eye to eye, but help people in my own railroad don't always see eye to eye. Uh, people have different opinions, but we all come together for one purpose, which is we want to, we want to have an efficient passenger railroad and we want to have an efficient and productive 
freight line because that's for the good of, of everyone. When, when South Shore Freight prospers, we get an increased um, source of revenue. Uh, and so um, we have shared fate in that regard. Uh, we're never going to diminish the quality of our passenger service, but, but where we can, we're going to work with them to promote their business. Absolutely. I would imagine that the 25-mile double-tracking project is going to benefit the South Shore Freight as well, correct? So um, people will say, well, why isn't South Shore Freight contributing um, a huge amount for the double-track project? And the simple answer is that they haven't ever lost a single customer because they uh, couldn't run their service. There's all kinds of capacity at night where we're not running trains, where people, and so, so they could run their service. They're gonna be able to run it more efficiently. There, there's no doubt. I mean, we, we'll put them on a siding and give a priority to a commuter train coming through. If we're in single track territory, we'll hold them out. And so they'll be, more, they'll be a more efficient railroad, absolutely. They see that. Um, they're actually gonna participate in a major project with us uh, over at the old Bailey Power Plant, which is next to the Arcelor Middle which used to be Bethlehem Steel Plant, uh, the Bailey Gen Plant is shutting down, and so we're working with South Shore Freight to acquire that facility so South Shore Freight can then uh, put their, a lot of the rail yard there. They've got a rail yard that services Arcelor, and then South Shore Freight is going to uh, exchange track with us in that area so we can put our second track in. So it's a wonderful re uh, uh, relationship that's allowed that to happen uh, in that area on both sides of us is the National Park Service. So we really didn't have a lot of, of land to add that second track. We needed cooperation from South Shore Freight um, into the enter the opportunity for them to contribute, and they, they're throwing a couple million dollars to acquire the Bailey facility. So yeah, I mean I, it's a long answer to your question, Bill. Um, they can run. They've never lost a customer because of double tracking or lack of double tracking, but they're gonna be a more efficient railroad with it for sure. I wanted to ask you, where do you stand now with positive train controls? We're uh, approaching that uh, December 31st, uh, gotta have it done date. Sure, um, at one point in time we were on the FRA's naughty list, but that was a misunderstanding. Um, we have 82 rail cars in our fleet, 72 of them are powered, and a good percentage of them uh, have cabs at both ends. We're putting uh, PTC control systems on every one of those powered cars and on many of the bo uh, on both ends of those cars. So when the FRA took a look at the amount of cars that we had equipped, we were somewhere in the 25 or 30 percent range, and they thought we were way behind. We were way ahead. We're because we could run the service. Um, we just like the flexibility of having every one of our cars equipped and again at both ends. So every one of our cars is now fully equipped. Um, we are in enhanced revenue service demonstration. We have submitted our safety plan uh, to the feds for review and we're going to make the, the uh, 1231 deadline. Absolutely. We're actually now uh, about to start interoperability testing with Metra. Uh, Metra has, um, um, uh, just brought their electric district online. And so one of the key items for us is that interoperability testing with Metra. We're doing interoperability right now with South Shore Freight um, on our section of the railroad where we have both the freight and the commuters running, especially in the, where we have double track. But we're, but we're now going to have a, a real test of the system. Metra runs 170 trains a day on the MED corridor. 
we run 40. So there'll be a, a lot of opportunity to test the uh, interoperability of PTC. Mike, I wanted to ask you about your marketing. Uh, you've just recently uh, unveiled some new uh, some new commercials. Uh, thanks. To talk about that a bit. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, we, they're hot off the press, so I sent them to you and Kellyanne. One of the things that we know, and this is not just our system, we know that we've got to get the message out as part of our marketing campaign to our riders, our current riders, and our prospective riders that it's safe to come and ride commuter rail systems. So we have spent a lot of money and a lot of time, and we have invested in additional employees, additional technology, new chemicals that, that uh, we've never used before. Uh, our rail cars are cleaner than they've ever been before. Um, and and they're also far safer to ride in as a result of this enhanced focus on viruses and um, other germs uh, that, that could be lurking um, on our systems. And, and that's going to be a benefit we're all going to reap once we get past COVID-19 and have a treatment or a cure or whatever. But we need our riders to know that, that they can come and, and what steps that we're taking. We are having our employees and our passengers wear masks. We're encouraging um, everyone to properly hand wash. We have hand sanitizers on all of our trains. We are promoting social distancing. We'll run longer consists, even if passenger ridership doesn't justify it, social distancing just does. So we're, do we're taking those steps and we put them in a plan and now we're marketing that plan to our riders to let them know that they can feel comfortable. Here are the steps that are being taken so they don't, they don't have to wonder what it's going to be like when they get to the South Shoreline. What, 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 what can they expect? Are we taking the proper precautions? What are we doing? Absolutely, we are. And so I just sent you and Kellyanne a couple draft commercials that are hot off the press. We're, we're proud of them. Uh, and, and that's going to be part of our marketing campaign going forward. And I think that we're not unique in that. I think you're seeing that around the commuter rail industry and other industries as well. Um, I saw a story today in business about Avis and how they are touting their previously, they always put a lot of focus on clean cars. They've redoubled that effort so that the folks who are renting their cars feel comfortable when they get in that car. It's a clean and safe environment. It's essential if we're going to get riders back and customers back to our services. And where will these messages air? How are you getting them out to, to the public? We'll, we'll, we'll push them out through uh, our social media platforms, whether it's Instagram or uh, Facebook or our webpage. Um, we'll push them out um, in various different spots with cable TV. Um, you know, every, every avenue that we can, we're going to push them out so we get our messaging across. And this is the first of you know, many, many messages in that's going to that's going to piggyback on this campaign. Let, let, let riders know when they're ready to come back, we're ready for them. And these are doing uh, doing something like this is extremely important. Uh, Kellyanne, you have said more than once that uh, in terms of safety statistics, uh, what is what is uh, safer uh, riding on a uh, on a commuter train? that has all the measures in place uh, for, for health or, or more cars on the highway, thereby uh, increasing the chance of, uh, of an accident. People, I, I hope, will look at the big picture when they make decisions for how they are going to return to work once, once the economy starts going again. Yeah, and it's, it's, a tough, uh, it's a tough haul. I, I recently read something uh, that automobile sales in 
California, I think in the, in, in the San Francisco area are actually going up because, uh, because people are being told, they're being misinformed that if they ride on public transportation on the BART system or Caltrain or whatever, uh, it's not safe. And, and that is just not true. Challenging those notions. Uh, the New York Times has done a, a lot of work on challenging the notions of the interiors of rail cars being safe or not. Um, God knows that the individual agencies are all, uh, you know, redoubling their efforts as ne doesn't even cover it. You know, they're using hospital grade disinfectants to make sure their riders are safe. Mike's service, Metro's service, and all of the commuter railroads around the country are key to the economies of the communities they serve. You know, I think we, the country lost 33% of its GDP last week, or that was the, the latest measure. And, you know, without the commuter railroads that serve the, the economic powerhouses of the country, um, how, how does this country begin to recover that, that lost percentage? Mike's doing what he needs to do, and every commuter railroad that's part of the coalition has has done the research necessary to make sure that they are cleaning their, their cars, the touch surfaces, and the air filtration systems in ways that make, make sure that riders are safe. Otherwise, everybody's out of business. At some point, we're going to come back to the realization that it's, you're 18 times more likely to die in a car crash than you are to die in a commuter railroad accident. It's, it's just flat out that that simple. And if you told somebody you got a choice, you could take this path or you can do this path, but you're 18 times more likely to die in this path. At some point in time when things settle down, the reality is, is that we're the safest mode of transportation that there is out there. And, and we're taking the proper steps to make, the, make it even safer. And, and that's the message that we're putting out to our riders and our future riders, that they know um, that, that we are taking these steps, that we are looking at UV lighting and fogging systems and daily cleaning twice a day, midday service, um, uh, hiring more people. It's, it is the focus of what we do on a daily basis, wearing masks. Uh, we have a great uh, mask up Hoosiers campaign in, in here in Indiana, and we require masks on trains. So um, that, that's, that's very comforting for our, our, our core riders right now who are using the system. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful um, that this is going to be a short-term blip, and we just, we're investing the right things the right way to make things uh, happen. And it's, just, it, it's probably going to take a little bit of time. It's not going to be, a, for us, it's not going to be a V-shaped uh, recovery. It's mm -hmm. going to be gradual, and it's, we're going to come back, but we'll be back. Okay, well, Mike, I uh, wanted to thank you for, uh, for joining us. You've got some exciting things going on. We wish you the best. Uh, uh, good health, of course. Uh, that, that's the most important thing. Uh, Kellyanne, again, I thank you for facilitating this. Uh, uh, we have more of these podcasts with the Commuter Rail Coalition to come. Uh, thanks uh, to both of you for, for joining us today. Mask up, Boozers. Mask up. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Bill. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Have a safe day.